This is Cruise Radio. Cruise Radio is brought to you in part by TripInsurance.com. Travel insurance done right by the people who know travel insurance. Get a quote today at TripInsurance.com. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida, this is Cruise Radio. How's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thanks for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Happy to have you here. Going to get a review of Royal Caribbean's Jewel of the Seas this week. Also, Sherry Laskin is here with Cruise News. Literally, I mean... Moments ago, just got back from Vietnam, and what an amazing 15 days that was. Gosh, we'll have to talk about it at some point. Don't know if I'll do a special episode on it or what, but we'll figure it out. Um, It was a river cruise, so seven nights on the river, but also a week in Cambodia and on the end of the cruise, Ho Chi Minh City. But we'll talk all about that later. Cruise Radio News, that's where you can get caught up with the daily three things you need to know in the cruise industry. Just search Cruise Radio News where you listen to your favorite podcast. All right, Sherry Laskin is here with Cruise News. Hey, Sherry. Hi, Doug. Carnival Cruise Line is changing the rules to their exclusive Havana retreat area. What's up with this? Yeah, so beginning on November 1st, the popular Havana retreat on Carnival Cruise Line's Vista-class ships will be open only to guests who have booked a Havana stateroom. Previously, the area was available to all other guests after 7 p.m., but now the rules will change, and it will be for the exclusive use of guests staying in the Havana staterooms, similar to, oh, I guess, uh, you know, in in a smaller sense, Norwegian's Haven area. I mean, I see the point. Why should someone pay almost double the amount for a cabin and have to share it with people who didn't pay? Oh, I totally agree. You know, and it it makes it a little bit more exclusive. Um, Yeah. If I had paid that much money for a Havana stateroom, you know, I would expect that would be mine for the duration of the cruise. This next story is up in your neck of the woods, Alaska. Carnival's adding another ship up there. Yeah, it's still a long way off, but I'm telling you, we are planning on more ships this coming season, and it's just going to keep growing until finally we just, you know, some of these ports just can't handle the influx. But Carnival will be sending the Carnival Freedom. It will reposition from Galveston to Seattle in April of 2021. And it will begin a series of week-long inside passage, and they're calling these glacier route cruises. So Carnival Freedom will offer 21 of these Alaska cruises. They're going to depart every Tuesday from the Port of Seattle beginning April 27th, and the last departure is September 22nd of 2021. And I'll tell you, it can be pretty cold at the end of (laughs) September. But during the seven-night glacier route cruises, port calls will include Skagway, Juneau, and Ketchikan. It'll cruise um, Tracy Arm Fjord, plus it will make the perfunctory stop in Canada at Victoria. Then they're going to offer a special eight-day cruise, and it will feature all the same ports, but it will include an additional stop at Icy Strait Point. And then uh, Carnival Miracle, which is coming back to Alaska, will offer 10- and 11-day cruises from San Francisco, and those will begin in May of 2021. Wow, two Carnival ships in Alaska at the same time. This is a first, I believe. That's what I've read. Yeah, Yeah. wow. A Norwegian cruise ship is about to undergo a massive makeover. Yeah, this is one of my favorite older ships. So it's the Norwegian Spirit, and it will have a $100 million 40-day dry dock starting next February. Well, actually, it'll start in January. It'll emerge in February. And 
They're saying it will be almost like a new ship. So this Norwegian spirit will head to Marseille, France for the transformation. And when the ship comes back in February, uh, a lot of the um, updates that are on other Norwegian ships will be added. The biggest change, it looks like, will be the addition of the adults-only Spice H2O, which is found on their larger ships. We've been there. We've seen that. Mm -hmm. And um, also, this is interesting. They're going to put uh, the, the, the Italian restaurant called Onda by Scarpetta. Uh, it's a it's a, an Italian specialty restaurant, and it is going to debut. It's oh, it's brand new. It'll be on the Encore when you see it in November. Um, and this restaurant Onda is also it's you know like the other um, chef led restaurants, I guess you could call it. They have land uh, locations in the Hamptons, Miami, Vegas, and in London. And of course, it serves contemporary Italian cuisine and fresh seafood. Um, a little bit more about what it's going to be doing after the uh, the refurbishment. It'll have itineraries from 8 to 24 days. The ship will be the first in Norwegian's fleet to visit Bali, which I'd love to go to, and Jakarta. And there will be a series of voyages to Southeast Asia, China, and Japan that depart from Singapore, Hong Kong, Tokyo, and Yokohama throughout 2020. So big, big moves for Norwegian spirit. Asia is now on my radar to cruise again. <laughs> the, after this last cruise I just came off of, definitely going back to Asia. So I need to check these itineraries out. Uh, the port of Tampa, they're testing a new port security feature. What is this about? Yeah, this was uh, this sort of piqued my attention and my curiosity. So Port Tampa Bay will soon begin testing a new weapons detection system. There's a security company called Liberty Defense Limited. They signed an agreement to test their new security system called HexWave, which they say uses low-power radar imaging and artificial intelligence to detect and identify weapons. HexWave uh, can be used indoors and out, and it can also detect metallic and non-metallic weapons. On the company's press release, it said that HexWave can detect threats along the perimeter of the property without obstructing the movement of large groups of people. And they go on to say that this new weapons detection system does not collect any identifying personal information. The testing will last for up to two weeks, but the start date has not yet been confirmed. To me, it's mind-blowing, the technology. I mean, if they're testing this out at cruise ports, think about the technology the government has that we don't know about. I know over in China, whenever we entered the country, we had to go through this biometric screening. And part of that was lasers pointing at you, taking your temperature, because they have like this H1N1 epidemic thing happening over there. And if you were, let's, let's just say you were above 102 Fahrenheit, they'd pull you off and put you in this um, quarantine room. Yeah, you know, years ago, um, oh gosh, probably, I don't know how many years ago, I was going on a um, an MSC cruise. This was before they, you know, exploded into these big ships and all that. And I was told that they were taking our temperature through our eyeball when they, Whoa. when we were scanned. So yeah, yeah, I don't know what's going on with that. But you know, I guess if it can detect non-metallic weapons, um, that's a whole new phase of 
security detection, right? Yeah, anything to make us safer. Okay, our last news brief here. Royal Caribbean is developing another new destination, but this one isn't going to be a private island. Yeah, it's kind of struck me as, you know, what's old is new again. So Royal Caribbean just announced it will launch its first Royal Beach Club. It'll be in Antigua and uh, beginning in 2021. They've signed a memorandum of understanding with the government of Antigua and Barbuda. The location of the Royal Beach Club will be along a half-mile beachfront near Fort James. Uh, Details have not really been released, but from the little bit that I read, it sounds like it's going to be similar to Coco Key and Labadee you know, with the slides and the water sports and all that. But what will be different is they're going to build a swimming pool with a swim-up bar, which made me instantly think of Costa Maya or Grand Turk, you know, Carnival's um, beach entertainment complexes. Wow. And then there's another thing, if I can mention it real quick, another Royal Caribbean edition. Um, They just announced also, this is like all at once, right? They're making, they like the name, so it's going to be called Perfect Day at Lullapa Vanuatu. What? Well, this is over in the South Pacific. Vanuatu is one of those islands that if, um, you know, sometimes uh, if you're doing a a South Pacific cruise and you have to make a, a, uh, what's it called when you make a a mechanical stop Like a technical stop. Technical, that's the word. Uh, It will be at Vanuatu. So anyway, this destination, perfect day that, Perfect Day at Lelapa, and I think I'm pronouncing that right, it's being created in partnership with the community of Vanuatu to showcase the distinct natural ecological beauty and diverse local culture of the island nation, as well as provide, of course, jobs and educational opportunities. Uh, They're saying it's going to have a different look and feel from Perfect Day at Coco Key, but, uh, you know, that remains to be seen. It's not an island, but then neither is Labadee. You know, well, you know, it's an island, but it's a beach on a big island of Haiti and uh, Dominican Republic. All right. And before we get to the listener question, a new ship roundup for Florida here. Carnival Sunrise is currently at their new home port at Port Everglades in Florida. Nor- uh, Norwegian Encore, she'll get christened here uh, November 21st. It then starts sailing on November 24th from Miami. And then, of course, we have MSC Maravilla. She arrives to sail from Miami the first week of November. So a lot of big things happening in Florida for cruises. Listener question, another big one here. This is from Mary Beth. You can email your questions to Doug at cruiseradio.net. This one came to you, Sherry. Do I need to pay a corkage fee if I bring a twist-off bottle of wine? You know, it's funny, Mary Beth, because when I first read that, I'm thinking corkage fee, twist-off. Wine is wine. But, you know, that's a really great question because... Say you brought a twist-off bottle of wine and you wanted to go on oh, the Norwegian Spirit, for example. They charge you what they call a corkage fee as soon as you embark. So, you, you know, going through security, you have they pull you over and you have to give them your information. And boom, doesn't matter if it's twist-off or, or an old-fashioned cork or a piece of plastic. You're going to be charged for bringing that bottle of wine on board. Now, in other cruise lines like um, Royal Caribbean... Um, you know, you have to always bring these in your carry-on, but um, you can always, if you don't bring your own bottle opener, uh, the only time you're going to be charged a corkage fee, and this would be an actual corkage, <laughs> if you want to call it that, is if you bring it into the dining room and want to enjoy it with a meal, or you bring it into one of the lounges. Um, but if you just keep it in your stateroom or 
pour it into, say, oh, I don't know, a coffee cup and, and take it into the dining room, no one's going to stop you. Yeah, twist off or not, on Norwegian, you're going to be charged. On other cruise lines, it's when you bring it into public areas. All right, Sherry Laskin from CruiseMaven.com, as always. Thank you, Sherry. Thanks, Doug, and I'm glad you're finally back from your amazing Asia river cruise and tour. Wow. If you have an Amazon Alexa-enabled device, ask her to enable the Cruise Radio News skill so you can get daily updates anytime. Straight from Cruise Radio. When is your next cruise? Where are you going? And what are you going to do once you get there? Market-leading specialist CruisingExcursions.com offers savings up to 60% offshore excursions versus cruise line prices. Whether it's private, shared, scenic, historic, or family tours, CruisingExcursions.com has up to 12,000 excursions in over 700 ports worldwide. You can even bundle your excursions for more savings. Make your next vacation affordable and unforgettable by visiting cruisingexcursions.com. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Check out our blog, the video page, and interact at cruiseradio.net. Kay and her husband recently took a trip over to Greece aboard Royal Caribbean's Jewel of the Seas. Kay joins us on the line. Hey, Kay. Hi, Doug. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Now, before we get to your review, we're going to take a step back here. Give me some pre-cruise thoughts. What made you want to take this Greece cruise on Royal Caribbean's Jewel of the Seas? Well, Greece was a destination my husband and I wanted to visit. So I started looking at the cruise lines that sail there. And uh, at first I was going to go with um, Celebrity, but then I liked this uh, Jewel of the Seas itinerary because it hit all the same ports and had two less days that I had to take off from work. So um, that's why we did it. And we also like that time of year for Europe because the weather, it's not too hot yet. We always go in late May. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very nice. Now, um what kind of pre-cruise time did you do over in Rome? We spent two nights um, there, and we actually didn't stay in Rome because we've done Rome before. Mm-hmm. So we stayed at the port city, and we already talked about it. I don't pronounce it right, Savita Vecchia. Shiva Shivecchia? Um, we stayed two nights there at Hotel San Giorgio. How was that? I really like that hotel. You know, as long as you're not expecting an American-class hotel, you're, you know... Uh, it was a very good experience, and they have a shuttle. You can get a rate, a pre-cruise rate that includes the shuttle, breakfast each morning, and I paid a little extra for an ocean-facing room, which was wonderful. Very good. So it comes time to embark Royal Caribbean's Jewel of the Seas. How, how was it when you're embarking, uh, we'll just say the Port of Rome for uh, pronunciation's sake, <laughs> um, do they actually have like, is it a terminal set up there, or is it like a, an embarkation tent? How does that work? 
they actually have an, a terminal in, um, uh, they probably have several because they have different piers. So we actually had a terminal and uh, got to the port on our free sh- hotel shuttle about 12.45 p.m. And no joke, I looked at my watch. We were walking on the ship 15 minutes later, had no lines anywhere. Wow. Okay. Maria, that's uh, pretty quick there. As far as like uh, the embarkation team speaking English, was that, uh, was that okay? Yeah, you know, I I think they were native Italians, but um, they spoke very good English. Uh, The thing that was surprising to me, you know, we're so used to having to tip the porters when we give our luggage. And they took our luggage and went away. I had no one, you know, I was getting my money out and I had no one to give my tip to. It was very uh, surreal a little bit. Awesome. Now you make your way on board Royal Caribbean's Jewel of the Seas. What were your first impressions? Well, unfortunately, they had us board on deck two, mm-hmm. which is the same deck they would use for tendering and things. So you're walking into this corridor that uh, looks like you just came back from a port. So it was very underwhelming. In fact, you had to go up two decks to even get to you know, a floor with uh, public spaces. But once we did get to a floor with public spaces, the ship is gorgeous, even though you can't tell that it's old at all. And one of the things this class of ship is known for is the huge glass walls, and they have elevators facing outward, and and, um, just real good connection to the sea. That's a, uh, what is it, Radiance class? Yeah, Radiance class. Very good. Now, what's the first thing you did? Uh, So you made your way on board from deck two, you went up to the atrium, and then did you go straight to your room or did you explore a little bit? Well, first we dropped off our carry-ons in our cabin. We had booked the inside cabin. Mm -hmm. And so we dropped off our carry-ons and kind of, uh, I grabbed, I had booked the, not the alcoholic beverage package, but the soda beverage package, okay. you know, that had coffee and stuff. And uh, so I grabbed the the mugs they have because they have machines there where you need to use your, your the cup they give you because it reads a sensor on that cup so that I could uh, get my soda. And then we went up to the Lido deck for lunch. That's the, really the first thing we did before exploring. So you mentioned you dropped your bags off in your room. Um, what kind of room did you book and what did you think of it? We had booked an inside cabin and... Um, Although it's smaller than insides on other brands, uh, it, it is very well designed. There was tons of storage. I mean, they even had a nice little love seat couch. Um, the only complaint I would have about the room, which I think is uh, common in all the older Royal Caribbean ships, is they use these round shower tubes, I called it, mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, you don't have much extra space in there. <laughs> so it's actually, there's no shower curtain, though. Uh, no, no, no shower curtain. Okay. It was like a sliding door, if you will. Okay. Now, as far as, does that ship have um, USB plugs in the room? No. No? Okay. No. So, and, but, I, you know, I have a device sure. that has like six Yeah, you, you're seeing a lot of those USBs being installed on like recent upgrades to or dry docks. Uh, let's see. So how about storage in the room? Plenty of storage for the 10 nights? I mean, that's a long time to cruise with two people in one room. Yeah, and I know. And, and. I, that's what was so surprising. I even had cupboards I didn't use because they have cupboards on both sides of the mirror above the desk. The desk had um, probably about four drawers in it. Then there was another cupboard uh, where the safe was in with two more shelves in addition to the safe. We had three closets. Um, so I had plenty of storage. 
You mentioned you got the beverage package or, or the soda package rather. Did you think that was a good value mm-hmm. for the soda and the coffee you got? It was for me because I like to have uh, lattes every day mm-hmm. and then I like to have a couple of diet sodas. So, and water was included, of course. So I'd stock up in the water for us to take to port. So I think it worked out okay. And it was just nice not to have to sign for something every time I wanted something. Yeah, it's and the other thing is, which I kind of will share is, uh, you know, I bought it when it was on sale in the cruise planner. Okay. Now, when it's on sale in the cruise planner, is that an email you get saying, "Hey, buy it today for a limited time" or whatever? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, constantly. Once you book your cruise, you will get those emails. <laughs> gotcha. Now, as far as dining, let's talk about dining on Jewel of the Seas. Um, how? Let's start in the main dining room. How was that? Uh, the main dining is really good. One of the things that Royal Caribbean's done recently is they've gone to incorporating their dessert menu on the same menu that you have with your starters and your entrees. So uh, that was different, and I really didn't like that because, I, in a way, I felt like we were being rushed. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I'm going to want dessert, you know, before I've eaten anything. So, um, but. Aside from that, the food quality was very good, and I really enjoyed the dining room. And I, I really like the, you know, multi-deck dining room. Uh, it's very nice and elegant in there. And what time dining did you have? We like to have assigned dining, so mm-hmm. we had the first seating, which was 6 p.m. on this Mediterranean itinerary. Okay. And um, so 10 nights you had, um, did you do any kind of specialty venues? We did. They have three specialty restaurants, and we dined at two. Okay. We don't like uh, sushi, so we did not do Izumi. But <laughs> we ate at the steakhouse, Chops Grill, and um, really enjoyed that and very good steaks. And we uh, also ate at Giovanni's, their mm-hmm. Italian restaurant. Uh, both experiences were really good with excellent service, and we both times had a table for two right at the window, so we got to watch the scenery. In fact, the night we ate at Giovanni's, we had just left port in Crete. And, you know, the island goes on for quite a while after you leave the port. And so for the first hour of our meal, we had this wonderful scenery. You know, it's funny you say that because I always tell people who are booking a med cruise, especially like in the Greek Isles, book a specialty reservation sometime around sail away or shortly after and make sure you get a window seat because the view and the sunset, wow, just so spectacular because most of those cruise ships leave at night um, from those ports. With Chops and Giovanni's, uh, was that some kind of package deal or did you uh, do that a la carte? I bought those a la carte. Um, they do did have an offering once that was like uh, buy one, get one. Mm-hmm. But then... That's for the first two nights, and I kind of we don't like to eat in especially restaurants the first two nights. Mm-hmm. Usually, we want to kind of get to know our waiters at our table, and the first night we definitely don't want to eat in especially restaurants, uh, you know, because of all the boarding activities. So we we just bought them on, you know, I bought those one time when they had a sale on specially dining in the in the cruise planner. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. How was the Windjammer buffet up top? Um. We, I have mixed feelings. So the first, because yeah, I wrote, you know, I keep notes of this for my blog. And the first day we ate up there, I thought, oh, this is really good food, and you know, and and it was. The quality was very good. But um, after ten days of, you know, often having lunch in there, uh, or you know, late lunch, maybe when we come back from our tour, 
we were kind of tired. We felt like there weren't enough options. I mean, they had a carved meat every night, day, and they had this every day, and it, it didn't seem like there was enough variety. So it was it was all right, you know, and it was fine because we had such a port intensive uh, cruise, and I tried to eat when I could, you know, sure some of the local food, which was fantastic. Did you do um, room service at all for like any of the breakfasts or you were so exhausted at night so you ordered it for dinner? No, we no, you know, I thought about it and I can't believe I never ordered room service once. Wow. So I I didn't didn't do that. We did eat one night in the buffet for dinner because our uh, we were in Messina rather late like 11 to 8 p.m. So by the time we got back from our tour, we had missed uh, our seating, so we ate in the buffet for dinner that night. But I think I did that versus room service just because it was quicker. Okay. Very good. Let's talk about entertainment aboard Jewel of the Seas. What were your impressions? Well, you know, I didn't go too much uh, for two reasons. One, because it was a very port-intensive cruise. We were, you know, tired at the end of the day after dinner. But um, also, I got a cold. A couple days in there, I got, you know, a cold. So that sent me to bed pretty early. But I did see a couple of shows. I saw one production show, which is City of Dreams. And, you know, it was pretty good. I, I happened to like the singing and dancing show, so I liked it. But my favorite was they had Beatles Mania. They had a um, band that, you know, I guess a cover band, if you will, of Beatles. And that was fantastic. They had multiple costume changes, you know, through the years as the Beatles had changed and evolved. And it was a really good show. One uh, complaint I had is they used the atrium for a lot of entertainment, you know, games and um, bands, you know, smaller bands. Mm -hmm. And there's very limited seating there. So it was really hard to be able to get down there and enjoy that. Um, There was a lot of people standing around the atrium because it goes up many stories. So you could, you could watch it from above, but then, you know, it's like you're being a voyeur. You're not really there. And all you see is the tops of everybody's heads. Uh, gotcha. Uh, how about, um, aside from the main atrium, the music around the ship, and I guess the nightlife and activities? Uh, I don't think there's much nightlife on this ship. Um, there's not a lot of public venues outside the atrium. Um, there were a couple of bars. There's another area, like it could be a nightclub in the back, uh, the after the ship on deck, I think six. Mm-hmm. But it, it was used a lot for things that they charged, like they had um, progressive dinners or mystery theater dinner. And so you couldn't go there to enjoy the venue because uh, Royal Caribbean was using it for some of their um, events that they had a surcharge. Gotcha. All righty. Well, let's talk about the sea days. Um, how were the sea days as far as crowds and congestion? Well, we only had two sea days and we spent those around the pools. Um, they have two pool areas. They have a solarium, which I love the Royal Caribbean solarium. And then, um, then they also had a main pool because this was such a, a long cruise and the Mediterranean, there, there were hardly any kids. I, I don't know if there were 20, I'd be surprised. Mm-hmm. And so there, you know, there was no problem finding loungers in the shade or where we wanted. So I, the only time I really ever saw a crowd was uh, the windjammer at breakfast time on port days. Otherwise, the ship had a really good flow, and um, it really didn't seem crowded anywhere. Nice. Well, 
That's always good to hear. How about as um, like the casino? So a lot of cruise ships get get complaints. Not saying this one does, but of like smoke wafting out of the casino and into any of the like some of the public areas. Did you experience that at all? Mm-hmm. No, and I'm really you know living here in California where I think it's almost a crime to smoke. Probably, um, I am really sensitive to smoke, and I never noticed it on the ship at all anywhere. Um, so I, I don't think there were a, a lot of smokers probably on board, but I think it's, it, they really limit where you can smoke. And although they could smoke in the casino, I never noticed smoke from there unless you were walking like right through the casino, which of course that's to be expected. Do you remember um, who the cruise director was or how was he or she? I can't remember his name. Um, I, oh, wait, I think you do. I think it's Andrea or Andrea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he is from Italy. He's a native of Italy. And he was great. I mean, he would give announcements in English and then turn, or turn it right around and give them in Italian. And without skipping a beat, he'd switch back and forth. Um, so it, the one thing I really liked about this cruise is the they only did announcements that were necessary or, you know, very few announcements. So it never became a a bother or anything like that. And I saw him a lot around the ship. So they are very, um, he's very involved in what's going on with the passengers. You mentioned this was a 10 night Greek Isles cruise. So uh, let's do, let's do it this way. Give us each port you went to and a highlight from each one. Okay. So we had two Italian ports and five Greek ports. So I'll kind of go down in the order. Okay. <laughs> um, the first one was Messina, Sicily. So for there, we did a private tour. Um, I used Sicily with Mario there, and we did a Godfather and Teramina tour that he has. That was an incredible tour. The views, you got to get out of Messina because people that only stayed in Messina did not like that stop, mm-hmm. but people that got away and got to go out and explore other parts of the island loved it. So I would say even if, you know, you do, a, whether it's a tour through the ship or private, do a tour when you have a stop there. Mm-hmm. Our next part was Mykonos, mm-hmm. um, where we did a Royal Caribbean tour going to a beach club. And that was really a lot of fun because we had, you know, nice chage lounges with the umbrella. And we could say that we went to a Greek beach, right? But one of the fun thing about here is they had um, buzzers actually, uh, you know, attached to your um, shade or umbrella, whatever you want to call it. And the server would come right up and we'd be able to serve our, uh, order our drinks and food. And, and the food there was incredible. Uh, the next stop was Rhodes. And we used another uh, Royal Caribbean cruise there, and we did a tour to Lindos, where they have an ancient Acropolis there. This turned out to be more strenuous than I planned. It was, I mean, the the tour description said uh, you must be able to walk 100 steps over uh, cobblestones, right? Well, they didn't say it was like a hundred steps up or, you know, mm-hmm. it was very steep and you had the option of taking a, a donkey up uh-huh. for three euros. We didn't, we walked it, but, but even then, once you get to where the donkey stopped, it's still, you know, you got a ways to go very steep to get up to where the actual ruins were. But it, once you're up there, you're thinking it's worth it because it was really scenic and they have these beautiful temples. But uh, it was pretty hot already, um, even though it was, you know, mid-May, it, it was 
probably around 85, 90 degrees that day. So mm. it was very hot. Um, let's see. Next was Santorini, mm-hmm. which was the tender port. I mean, there's, cause there's no dock there. Uh, we, once we got ashore, we paid 15 euros per person for this, um, they take you via boat over to Oya, and and then you're kind of where the dock is, and then that included a bus up to the city, where we were kind of did a self-guided tour using Rick Stee's guidebook. Um, although I'm sure I got lost, but we were able to get all the beautiful views of you know the the blue bell-shaped roofs and all that. I mean, it's just incredible view after view after view. You can't believe you're there. So, and then whenever you're ready, once an hour, every hour, they'll take you by bus over to Fira, mm-hmm. which is a town above where the tenders dock. So, it, Fira was a whole nother story because by then it was super crowded. And um, so, all we did was just uh, find an eatery where we can enjoy a cold drink, a snack, and just enjoy the view. Um, and then to go back to the tender, we took the cable cars. So yeah, you have another choice of taking donkeys again, or you could take cable cars or walk down the donkey steps. And we took the cable car. How was the view on that cable car? It was pretty good. I got some shots from when I was on it. And, uh, you know, it, it was, I would definitely do the cable car. And there were, it wasn't crowded. Like sometimes you might hear that people are waiting in line for an hour, an hour and a half. One thing, you know, we, we went like mid-afternoon back to the ship. But mm-hmm. secondly, there was only our ship and a Greek a brand, Celestial Cruises, I think. Mm-hmm. Those were the only two, sh- and it's much smaller. So those were the only two ships there that day. There were a lot of land tours, you know, like uh, Globe, Globe, Globus tours and mm-hmm. things like that, that people were on land tours that included Greece. Okay, very good. And uh, how many ports do you have left? Uh, I have three ports. Uh, I think I have two ports. Left. No, three ports left. Sorry. All three right. Ports. Go ahead. We have Athens, where we also did uh, my second private tour. And by the way, the two private tours I, I did, Messina and Athens, I, I organized a group from the Cruise Critic Roll Call. Mm-hmm. So we had 10, 10 people that went on this tour. And um, we did, I think it's called uh, Private Greek Tours, might have been the tour site. Anyway, it was a wonderful tour. And because it was a Saturday, we didn't run into any traffic problems in Greece. We um, were able to go see all the sites, you know, the, the Acropolis, the Temple of Zeus. We were, it saw the changing of the guard. So it was it was an incredible day. Then our next day we were at Crete, and I got to say this is where between our cold and having four busy port days before, we just decided to stay on the ship. It was kind of great. It was uh, forecast to have rain, and it did drizzle a little in the afternoon, and we just enjoyed a uh, pool day on board. And then our last port was Naples. Mm-hmm. Um, so on our way back to get off. Uh, we stopped at Naples where I decided I was going to do the Rick Stees walking guide. And we saw a lot of the sites in there, but when I was trying to find the best pizza place in Naples, I got us lost and we ended up walking seven miles and never finding it. (laughs) Oh, do you remember the name? No, he listed a couple in his uh, guidebook and I'm sorry, I can't remember the name, but uh, I just, you know, next time I get there, I'm going to just take a taxi there. (laughs) We went to a place. Um, the reason why I asked because we did a, a kind of a pizza and beer crawl in Naples, 
and we went to um, uh-huh. it was called I think it's called like Dama Shells, and it's like it's like a V Pizza place in Naples, and you go there and you ha- it's there's like a forty five to an hour wait to even get in there, wow. but totally worth it. Like cheap pies, like four and five euro each, depending on what kind you get. But yeah, that might mm-hmm. have been one of the. It's kind of tucked away down some alleyways, but that um. By the by, the amount of people that were there, that could have been in the Rick Steves, uh, could have been one of his recommendations. But anyway, yeah. So um, it pro- it probably was, and that's probably why I didn't find it because I probably missed the turn somewhere. Yeah. Was Naples your last stop? Yes, that was our last port, and we got off the very next day. Okay, and you get back into Rome, and um, how was your disembarkation process? It was super easy. Um, so they had assigned me a time, I guess, based on what time my flight was, which worked out perfect for once. I didn't have to go to the front desk and get it changed. Uh, we were supposed to meet in the main theater to, to, to be called off about 7 a.m. And we were called like right at 7 a.m. We walked off. There was no line. I mean, I'm used to having to stop in a line to get off. We just virtually walked right off. Um, our luggage was easy to find. I think most people in our group must have already left because it was pretty empty in our number area. And um, where we ran into the snafu was our, our transportation <laughs> to the airport. So I had booked uh, transportation ahead of time before leaving home for our pickup at the Rome airport, which went fantastic. And I used a different company for the transportation transfer back to the airport because mm-hmm. they did shared and I knew there'd be a lot of cruisers going to the airport at that time. Um, so our, the driver was late and then he had to pick up another couple at the Epic who was also disembarking in at the port that day. And that's another pier. And we weren't, because we weren't on that ship, we weren't allowed to go to the pier with him. And so we had to be dumped at the gate and wait for him to come back with that other couple. Oh, that's crappy. <laughs> it was scary. Yeah. It was very frustrating. I wrote him a bad review on TripAdvisor. So that was really uh, kind of a bummer way to end in the cruise. But it had no fault, no fault, obviously, of Royal Caribbean. Yeah, wow. That's, get out here and wait. We'll be right back. <laughs> Jeez. Exactly. And we were waiting like 15 minutes there. And it was us and another family. And so we're just like, oh, we're never doing this again. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. Uh, let's see here. Well, looking back on your cruise, uh, what was the biggest highlight for you? I think the the biggest it was hard to pick. I mean, there's so many scenes that you see in movies and, and books and you're in and, and you're like, Oh, I can't believe I'm here seeing this with my own eyes. But I would think the biggest highlight for me was really this, visiting the city of Athens and that's definitely some place I want to go back to and be able to, to get more in depth and uh loved all the people we encountered. Um there's more I wanna see there. Uh that's definitely a place I wanna revisit. Very good. Uh, let's see. Do you have any first-time tips for um, anyone cruising, whether it be Jewel of the Seas or over in the Med? Well, for the Med, I would definitely say book early. The price on this cruise, I booked an inside thinking that, oh, prices will drop and I'll be able to go to uh, an outside or cabin. They don't have a lot of balconies being the age of the ship, but I thought, oh, for sure I'd be able to go to an outside. Well, the price did not drop on this cruise. It just went up and up after we booked. So I was never able to take advantage of, you know, upgrading for a good price. The second tip would be, I kind of alluded to it, is take advantage of those cruise planner sales. Mm -hmm. They offer good discounts. I mean, a lot of time at 30% off at the regular price, 
for items like especially restaurants, excursions. Those excursions I bought, I bought them when they were on sale in the cruise planner. Mm-hmm. Their drink packages, Wi-Fi, I bought that on sale in the cruise planner. And the one thing I didn't buy on sale in the cruise planner was a massage that I ended up booking on board. And, and I paid quite a bit more than I could have gotten it if I would have pre-bought. How was the Wi-Fi connection on board? Oh, it was great. I was uploading my photos. Uh, you know, I used I upload to Dropbox, and it worked great. I uploaded all of them every night. I'd come back from our shore excursion and upload all my photos just to make sure they were backed up somewhere. Cool. Very nice. Well, let's see. Uh, I guess in closing here, I'll ask you, what are your final thoughts of Jewel of the Seas? Well, my final thoughts was, we would prefer a larger ship for a Caribbean cruise because mm-hmm. there, you know, it didn't have the number of bar bars and dining venues we might like. But for destination specific uh, cruises like this one that are better suited for smaller ships, I would definitely consider going on this and, and sister ships of the Jewel of the Seas. It has it's it is a very beautiful ship and it has great views. Yeah, those. I mean, I I can appreciate the mid-sized ships, especially in the Mediterranean when the those itinerary is so port intensive, and it's not like you're coming back to mm-hmm. the ship and gonna, you know, go balls to the wall and party all night. You're gonna like go back to the ship, have <laughs> dinner, and then go do an excursion again the next morning, right? Exactly. Yeah, I see where you're coming from. Well, we've been talking with Kaylin. Her and her husband just got back from a 10-night cruise aboard Royal Caribbean's Jewel of the Seas. And Kaylin, I appreciate you sharing this experience with us. Well, thank you, Doug. And I'll call you after my next cruise. All right, Dougie, here we go for uh, the new uh, cruise radio stuff here for you. <clears throat> cruise radio is produced weekly in Jacksonville, Florida. For partnership opportunities, email Doug at cruiseradio.net. Hear Cruise Radio on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Google Play, or at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.